Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. We pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather in Jesus' name in this place. We thank you for the word of God, which is powerful, which instructs us, which leads us in the way of eternal life. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning as we sit under your word. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. All God's people said, amen. Church, you please be seated. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. You've got a pinch hitter for a preacher this morning. And I'm going to do my very best. We're in Colossians chapter 3. And uh, if you've just joined us, we've been in a series in Colossians for a little bit here. Chapter 1, Pastor Don spoke two messages. The first is about the gospel of our Lord Jesus, how great it is, how we are called to live changed lives, changed lives as a result of uh, our knowledge of him. We are called to live lives that please him. And we've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's chapter one. And then it goes into how great Jesus is. He's supreme over everything. Chapter two is a discussion of putting our roots down deep into Jesus, not into the philosophies of our world, the empty philosophies all around us. And so chapter three, um, Peyton did such a great job of reading that for us this morning. We're going to jump right into the text. Because if these 17 verses are rightly understood, I believe they will change our lives. I mean, you'd be wasting your time if you weren't going to sit under God's word and say, well, my life will just be the same when I walk out here. Amen? We're here for change today, and it comes through the word of God. Here's where it goes. Verse 1 says this, since you've been raised to new life. Whenever you see that phrase in scripture, raised to life, or dead and buried with Christ, those kind of things, that should always tip you off. Aha, he's talking about baptism. Those are the images of scripture that come to our mind. Um, it, it, baptism is the inaugural act of our Christian faith. And we're going to see it throughout the passage today. In fact, we were already set up for it last week when Pastor Mike read from chapter 2, verse 12, where it says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So we're already set up for this. And the fundamental of the Christian faith is simply this. Without Jesus, we are spiritually dead. We're dead in our trespasses and sin. We're unable to have a relationship with God. The Bible says our sins make us an enemy of God. And so for every human ever born, by default, our sin is the barrier to ha us having a relationship with God. In fact, no one can get to first base in their relationship with God until our sin problem has been dealt with. And that's the good news of the gospel. And so baptism is the primary symbol given to us to demonstrate our new relationship with God. It illustrates what God did about our sin problem. I was 13 years old when I was baptized, and though uh, I don't, didn't understand the gospel and the scriptures like I do right now, uh, and hopefully by the time I'm 70 years old, it'll be even greater, but I understood enough that it was about obedience. It was about following Jesus. 
And here's the thing. Baptism is so vitally important. In fact, if you've never been baptized, I just want to let you know that next Saturday night, outside in the parking lot, we're going to have an outdoor service, a celebration service on Saturday night, not Sunday night, and we're going to have an opportunity to be baptized. If you've never been baptized, I urge you to take that step of obedience. And here's why this is so important. Because baptism frames the rest of your relationship with Jesus for the rest of your life in terms of obedience. It's the first thing Jesus asks us to do when we put our faith in him. And here's the challenge for us today. If you've never been baptized and you're putting it off and you don't think it's that important, I would just suggest to you, if you're not willing to follow Jesus in this important act of obedience, what else are you not willing to follow him in? Right? It's the first thing he asks us to do is to be baptized. If you've never been baptized, it's time to walk in that. Come talk to myself or Pastor Mike. We'd love to arrange for you to be baptized next week. And so this passage starts off, since you have been raised to new life, you've engaged in this baptism reality, we set our sights on heaven. We ought to spend great amounts of time as Christians in worship and wonder, thinking about our risen Savior, the glory he's been given. Because guess what? Did you remember that that glory he's been given is going to be shared with us and we're going to share in that with him for all eternity? That's our eternal destiny because of his resurrection promise to us. And so verse 2, think about the things of heaven. We We should spend time thinking about heaven because our highest thoughts and ambitions in this life are forward onto the eternal. We often get hung up worrying about the affairs of today or what we did 20 years ago, what's behind us. But the Christian faith is all about what's ahead of us and what's forward for us. And so we should set our eyes on the things of heaven. Because verse 3, here comes this baptism image again. Verse 3 says, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. You died to this life. There's been a funeral, and you've been issued a certificate of death. I was going to put certificates of death on everybody's chair this morning, but I thought that might be a little creepy. But the idea is, by God Almighty, when you came to faith in Christ and you were baptized in the Spirit, you put to death and you received a certificate of death to your old life. Of course, we're still to be present and engaged in this earthly life, and every good thing that we enjoy is from our Heavenly Father who gives us good gifts. It's not that we're supposed to be like a monk. We're not supposed to check out a life, but we, we have to understand that everything we have is a gift from God. And this life will end. This earthly life will end, and for some of us, sooner than we ever thought possible. But our eternal life is secure, and it's hidden with Christ. And what does that phrase, hidden, mean? It means that the rest of the world can't understand it. The unbelieving world doesn't understand the hope that we have in Christ. It's hidden from them. But for us, it's very present. It's very passionate for us. It seems like foolishness to the world around us, though, right? And so my question for you this morning, have you responded to the Lord Jesus by responding to his gospel, because what you do with Jesus in this life determines where you spend the rest of your eternity. And that is so vitally important that we understand how how significant this is. Because verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the world, you will share in all his glory. Jesus is coming back one day. He will return. He will finally be revealed in all his glory, and the entire world is going to see him in all of his splendor. And on the day of his return, there's going to be a great separation in humanity. Eternal life for those who have repented of their sin and believe on Christ, or the eternal lake of fire for those who have rejected Christ. Those are the only two options. And we who believe in Jesus are going to share in his glory for all eternity. You can't overestimate how awesome it is going to be when Jesus splits those clouds and comes down again. That is our eternal hope for everyone who's ever believed in Christ. And that's why we set our sights on the things of heaven. Think about the crosshairs of a rifle. We set our sights on the things of heaven. Because this broken and sinful and polluted and toxic and hateful world is not our home. Somebody say amen. Amen. 
This is not our home. We think it is. We think that it's, it's in front of us. It's what we can see and taste and touch. But our real life is hidden with God, and he is surely coming back. So I would say to you, church, hold on to Jesus, because there is a new heaven and a new earth and a perfected resurrection bodies just around the corner for those of us who believe in him. That is our resurrection hope. And because of this hope, because of this gospel, because of this good news, we must do what verse 5 says. So put to death the sinful, earthly things that are lurking within you. These earthly desires and passions. I want to show you something here this morning. I'm not much of an artist, but I did a little drawing this week. Exhibit A. And you say, why is that crown upside down? I don't know. Just the way it came out. Exhibit B, just in case you're wondering. Okay, is it making sense now? The kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of sin, rebellion against God, and the kingdom of our Lord Jesus. Back to chapter 1, it says that we were called out of darkness. We were called out of the kingdom of darkness when we come to Christ and we're called into the kingdom of light. When Jesus comes into a person's life, it is a complete takeover. And that's why the kingdom analogy is used throughout the New Testament. And by the way, that's also why you go under the water in baptism, because it represents death. No more breathing the sinful, toxic, polluted air. You've died to that. When you come to Christ, you've died to that. There's to be a change in our lives. Back in chapter 1, verse 6, it says the gospel, wherever it goes, it changes lives all over the world. And so we want to live lives that honor Jesus in every way. Why? Because we have been transferred, literally rescued from the kingdom of darkness. We've been plucked out of it, and Jesus has brought us over into his glorious kingdom. That's what happened to you when you got saved. Jesus has rescued us from the coming judgment that is going to come to this kingdom. Watch this. Jesus is king. He is the only king. In fact, the devil who rules this kingdom, nowhere in scripture is the devil referred to as a king. He's referred to as a prince. Why? Because he will never be king. There's only one of those. He's in the kingdom of light. He rules over it. I want you to remind the devil of that the next time he harasses you. Devil, you will never be king. It's what you always wanted. You will never be king. Only Jesus is king. Amen? We've got to remember that. That's what we're here for. And so we're still in verse 5 here. This all is very practical to us. Because we put this sinful state to death in our life, we're to have nothing to do with sexual immorality. The culture around us, the kingdom of darkness, seems to want everything to do with sexual immorality. They're pounding it down our throats, right? It's all over the place, including the current month that we're in, which has been dedicated to sexual sin. It's not to be so among Christians. We're to be different. We're to put those things to death. Sexual immorality, lust, evil desires. They're supposed to be crucified, dead, and buried for a Christian. They died when you were baptized. Sex is only for a man and a woman to enjoy in the context of marriage. That's it. Outside of that, outside of those confines that God has created, it objectifies people. It destroys the fabric of society, and most of all, it's an offense to God who created sex to be a beautiful gift within the confines of marriage and only there. But we all know, we all know that these desires are still present and lurking in us as long as we're trapped in these sinful bodies. Listen, I'm as red-blooded a man as anybody in this room. I understand the temptation. I understand what it is to give in to temptation. It's the greatest source of frustration in my life. Jesus has set me free 
but I'm still tempted by the pleasures of sin in the kingdom of darkness. Because my physical body and my spirit are now at war with one another, you see? And that's the tension every one of us is going to face as we follow Jesus. We know what is right, but our sin nature wants to go back and enjoy what was over here. By the way, the crown is upside down because it's an upside down kingdom. We're told to think this is true. We're told to think this is right, but it's upside down. It's exactly the opposite of what God wants for us. We are further instructed in verse 5 to not be greedy to not be greedy, and, and greed, you might think, well, materialism, but this clearly ties back to sexual immorality, sexual greed, coveting another person's spouse, selfish gratification, illicit fantasies, the idol of sex in our sinful state knows no limits and is never satisfied. And watch this, verse 6, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Jesus will return to judge this world, for its sins are great. When Jesus came the first time as a baby in the manger, it was to save the world. But when he comes back, i got to remind you, when he comes back, he's packing heat. Right? There's going to be an absolutely awful day of judgment that's coming when everyone who has persisted in the kingdom of darkness will be separated from God for all eternity. And it says in verse 7, look, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. When you didn't know Christ, you were in the dark. You did whatever your sinful nature desired. And by the way, that's why we as Christians cannot expect the politics of our nation nor the people of the kingdom of darkness to accept the truth of God's light. Listen, they will never accept the sanctity of human life, no matter what laws are passed. They will never accept the Bible's teaching on gender, marriage, and sexuality because they've not been lifted out of it. We shouldn't be surprised by that. But we should be surprised when someone who claims to be a child of light persists in those things. That should be alarming to us because we've been called out of that. When someone who claims to be a child of the light continues to practice sexual sin or approve of sexual sin or promote false teachings, we've got a serious problem. In fact, Paul writes about this elsewhere. There was another church in the city of Corinth that was dealing with something very similar, and he wrote about this. I want to read those passages for you. 1 Corinthians 6 says, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. And jump down to verse 18 where it says, Run, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price, so you must glorify God with your body. Paul's urging the church, and today it's just as relevant in 2022. Listen, don't you realize, church, that you were bought with a high price? What was that price? It was the blood of the perfect, sinless Son of God in your place. And what has he called us to? He's called us to abandon the sins that he saved us from and come into the kingdom of the light. And so verse 8 
back to Colossians chapter 3. It says, but now is the time to get rid of, and it goes on and talks about anger and rage and malicious and hateful thoughts and actions, dirty language, and so on. We are children of the light. And so slander and dirty language and lies don't fit our new identity because we now belong to Christ. We belong to his kingdom, and we are to forsake the works of the darkness because we're new creatures. This is the baptism image again. We go down into the water, and when we come back up to new life, we forsake the kingdom of darkness. We go toward the light. That's what repentance means, by the way. It means I'm going this direction, and I have a 180 experience where I'm going this direction now. That's what it means to repent. You cannot be saved without repentance. We need to preach that a little more these days because a lot of people think we can just somehow receive God and believe in Jesus and it's all good. If there's no repentance, there's no salvation. We have to turn from our sins. That's the fundamental of coming. And there's this urgency. It's time to get rid of this stuff because we're new creatures. Verse 9 says, lies. Lies are not for the kingdom of God. They're not for those who belong to the kingdom of light. Don't lie to each other because you've stripped off your old sin nature. You've taken it off. You've been cleansed. You cannot have lies in the family of God. Our fellowship as Christians is based on truth. And by the way, you cannot have love without truth. You can have truth without love. You can bludgeon people with the truth without love, but you can't have love without truth. Truth has to enter our discussions in order to truly be loving, even sometimes when it's offensive to those who don't want to hear it. But we put off these old clothes when I was a teenager, I used to work on my uncle's dairy farm. And so we'd bring all the cows into the parlor, the milking, milking parlor. And as you're working with the cows, inevitably, you're going to get hit with stuff. Stuff. We're in church. We'll just call it stuff, okay? Inevitably, you're going to get dirty. And sometimes, as hard as you try to avoid it, it's going to splat against the back wall and then come get you. And so what do you want to do in those moments? You want to get out of those dirty clothes, have a shower, get fresh clothes, I wonder if we were as anxious to get rid of sin in our lives as we would be if a large bovine sprayed stuff all over us. Do we look at sin that way? It should repulse us. And yes, we all stumble. I'm not talking down to you here today. We're all in this together in that sense. We all stumble and give in to temptations, but here's the thing. We don't build a house back here in the kingdom of light. We don't rent an apartment over here anymore. When we sin and we stumble, we confess it as sin, and we repent and we go back to God. And guess what Jesus says? He says, I will forgive them. When they confess their sins, I'm faithful and just to cleanse them and forgive them from all unrighteousness. This is the rhythm of life for us. We're all tempted by this. Every person in this room is tempted by this to go back to this. But again, we don't build a house there. We immediately get on our knees, we repent, and Jesus cleanses us. That's his promise to us because that's how awesome our God is, how much he loves us. And so Jesus gives us new clothing, verse 10. We're to put on, right? Put on new, our new nature and be renewed as you learn to become like your creator, as you know him. Because we want to know him better, we learn to become like God. And his word takes root in us. That's back to the chapter 2 image, putting our roots deep down into Christ. We learn what God loves. We learn what God hates. And we no longer think like the world around us. And yes, that will put us at odds with our culture and sometimes even our own families. But following Jesus now means we engage in a lifelong reprogramming of our minds in the ways of the kingdom of light. Because before we knew Jesus, we were programmed by the kingdom of darkness, by our own sinful world, by, by our own sinful entertainment, even by sinful political leaders. 
and it's going to take the rest of our lives to have our minds cleansed and changed. And by the way, I just mentioned uh, entertainment choices. This is a big deal. You know, what we put into our minds ends up coming into our thinking and the way we live our lives. The music that we listen to, it ends up going into our minds. Even if you're not consciously trying to absorb it, you are absorbing it. And we as Christians need to start making some much better choices when it comes to our entertainment. There are some movies that should just plain old be deleted from your files. And I'm not here to make a list of those things because that's just religion. Do this, don't do this, that's religion. Listen to the Spirit of God. Does this please Christ? Does that image, do those videos please Christ? Or are they feeding your sin nature over here? They're pulling you back into it. We are to forsake those things. Christian entertainment should look a whole lot different. The files on your computer should look a whole lot different in the kingdom of light. And some of us have got to have a moment of truth this morning and start getting some things right with God because we've been called out of that and into the light. One day we're going to see Jesus face to face, and at that moment in time, our transformation, you see, will be complete. But we should be preparing for that day now. And that's why worship and saturating ourselves in God's word is so important. Because, listen, I tell you this from my heart, and this is for all of us today. Only the Spirit of God is strong enough to wrestle my sin nature to the ground and make me obedient to the word of God. I can't do it on my own, and religion will never do it for me. Only Jesus can cleanse a stained heart. And so verse 11, in this new life, it doesn't matter about the earthly distinctions anymore. It doesn't matter about superiority and pedigree and who has the most money. Christ is all that matters. Remember back to chapter 1? Christ is supreme. You can have the highest level of education, the finest home and vehicles, and have all the popularity you've ever dreamed of, but if you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. The same is also true. The, the reverse is also true. If you have Jesus, you have everything. We've got to get back to that perspective, folks. The kingdom is ours. When, when we come into the kingdom of light, everything that belongs to Jesus now belongs to us, not only now, but for all eternity. We get it all if we have Christ. He lives in all of us, it says here. The question is, have you believed on Jesus? Have you admitted your sin to God? Have you asked him to forgive your sins on the basis of what Jesus did for you on the cross? Because verse 12, it says, he chose us. God chose us to be the holy people he loves. Just like Israel was chosen in the Old Testament, not because they were special or good looking. They were chosen to be holy, which means to be separated from the sinful world, set apart from idol worship in that case or child sacrifice, or godless ideologies, or the sinful sexual practices of the world around us. They were called to be set apart from that. And they were chosen for a mission to tell people about God's greatness. And you know, it's the same for us today in the year 2022 as the church. We are chosen by God to be separate from the world and its values and its philosophies and its worldviews. And so we put on the clothing that fits that new identity. We are royalty in Christ. And so we are to be tender-hearted. It goes on in verse 12. Tender-hearted not hard-hearted, merciful, not vengeful, kind, not malicious, humble, not proud, gentle, not harsh, patient, not annoyed with everything and everyone. And that takes us to verse 13. Make allowance for each other's faults. How many of you have faults? Anybody here? Okay, elbow the person beside you that did not put up their hand, because we all have faults. We all have idiosyncrasies. But that's not the same thing as sin. There's a distinction in this verse. We, we bear with, we put up with each other on things that are false and annoying and all this kind of stuff. But then when it comes to sin, we forgive one another. That's the kingdom rhythm. 
And by the way, most often we're annoyed with people who have the same last name as us. Is that true? Yeah, sometimes that happens. But we're to bear with those idiosyncrasies, but we're told to forgive sins. And Pastor Mike often talks about this, how important forgiveness is in our human relationships. And our forgiveness is based on the fact that Jesus paid us, uh, paid our debt of an extravagant debt. And so there's no one on this earth that you and I should not forgive. And so verse 14 This is the third time that we're instructed to put on something, this new clothing. In this case, it's love. Why? Because love isn't already on you. Humans, in fact, are incapable of God's love on their own. The world only loves those who agree with it. Take an unpopular view on something and watch the world turn on you, right? But for us in God's family, love means being able to love those who we would naturally hate. And love brings us together as the family of God and binds us together. Why is the world so full of hatred and division? because they don't know God's love. But for we as Christians, it puts us together in harmony. It brings people together who would have nothing to do with each other otherwise. Different walks of life, different backgrounds, and it brings us together into a supernatural new family. That's the power of God for we who obey the good news. Verse 15, we are to let the peace that comes from Christ reign in our hearts. We are to be peace-loving people. Peace with each other in the family of God. Peace with those who still live in the kingdom of darkness. We're not at war with people. We're not to hate people. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? And so we're to have compassion for our enemies. And particularly, we're to pray for the salvation of those people. Who are you praying for right now that they'll receive Christ? Who are you praying for right now that they'll come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light? That's our attitude because we're called to peace. Verse 16, Christ's message in all its richness needs to fill our lives. See, if Christ is becoming more and more important to you, there's going to be no more room in your heart for sinful thoughts and attitudes and behaviors. The question for us today, and I'm asking myself this, is Christ everything to you? Or are you still dabbling in the kingdom of darkness? If I can say one thing to the children of God this morning, it's this, listen, it's time to make a clean break in our lives. We've got to pursue holiness Our God is a consuming fire. He has called us into the kingdom of light. This stuff cannot come with us. If you envision a heaven where you can do whatever you want someday, you're missing the point. That that, that would be hell to you. Because in heaven, only what Jesus wants will only ever be done for all eternity. And we need to love that now. We're called out of darkness into his life. Remember, the gospel is changing lives all over the world. We've had more than enough of sin in our lives It's time to live holy lives because Jesus is coming soon and there will be a day of judgment and accountability. We've got to get right with God. One of the ways that the church reinforces God's wisdom it talks about here in verse 16 is through the songs we sing, through the worship. Corporate worship is a direct reflection of what we believe about God and that's why I take my job as your worship pastor so seriously. The songs that we pick, the way that we set up worship, the focus Always about the heart, always about our response to God. That's why it's so important, because worship matters. What are we to do in worship? Well, verse 17, we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms with thankful hearts. Again, this is the third time we're told to be thankful, by the way, as part of our new nature. And thanksgiving isn't just for times of worship. It's whatever we do 24-7, because we are a representative now. If you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, you are now a representative of the kingdom of light, and we are to live that way. There should be a difference in our lives. We represent Jesus to a lost and totally confused world. You understand that? 
We need to have compassion for here. It's easy to rip on the president. It's easy to rip on people who are living in the kingdom of darkness. Church, we need to have compassion for people over here. Do you understand what happens to people who stay here when Jesus returns? We ought to be moved by that. That should create compassion in our hearts to pray for those people. That's the 17 verses of Colossians chapter 3. We doing okay this morning? What I've done is called expository preaching. I've preached verse by verse, and I've exposed the passage for what it is. This is what this passage means to us today. If something I've said to you has confused you or maybe hit you the wrong way and you have questions, please come and talk to me. I'm not a perfect communicator. You guys know that. I want us to make sure that we're understanding the Word of God properly, and I'm doing the best I can. But please come talk to me if you have questions about what I've presented this morning. The stark distinction I want to make this morning, guys, is quite simple. We've been called out of darkness. This is what Jesus has done for us. It's a common image throughout the New Testament. We've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do you reckon that to be true about yourself today? Are you living in that? See, I recognize this morning as I preach that some of you, that this is falling on, on hearts that are like, this is new to me. I've never heard this before. But I think, I think I'm over here. I think I'm over here. And I want to invite you today, as Jesus does, I want to invite you to come into the kingdom of light and receive forgiveness of your sins. This is so simple. Even a child can understand this. Guys, there's three things you need to know to come into the kingdom of light. Number one is that we're all sinners. We have offended God by the way that we've lived. The Bible says we're enemies of God because of the way we've lived. And so that's the problem. The solution is that Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, went to the cross, and in his body, he paid the penalty for sin that you and I deserved. It should have been me on that cross, and it should have been you on that cross, but Jesus took the sin of us upon himself, and he was punished for our sins instead of us. And when we believe that, when we receive that, we are forgiven of our sins. And the third thing you need to know is that Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave three days later, and when we believe that, we receive the gift of eternal life. It's that simple. So I want to ask this morning, if everybody would just please bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. If you're born again this morning, if you're a child of God, you know what to do in this moment. You begin to pray. You begin to pray for gospel seed to go forth. But I want to talk to the, those of you this morning who may identify and say, look, I, I am in the kingdom of darkness. I know I'm a sinner. I need help. I need rescue. I don't want to stay there. I need a savior. Then I want to lead you in a simple prayer. And this comes from your own heart. It's not a formula. But you say in your heart of hearts, God, I know I'm a sinner. I have failed you. I have failed to live up to the standard of your perfection. And I deserve eternal judgment because of that. The second part of your prayer is a prayer of thanksgiving to God. God, I thank you that Jesus went to the cross and paid my sin debt. I believe in what he did for me. I believe in his blood shed for me. I receive that. The third part of your prayer is to say, I know, God, that Jesus was in the grave three days, but he didn't stay there. And I believe he rose from the grave and lives forevermore. And I will too, because I believe in him. And I receive that, and I believe it. That's how simple it is to receive Christ. That's how simple it is to walk. It's all about sin, folks. It's about the problem of sin. It's about the solution of sin. And it's about the promise of eternal life. And I wonder this morning, if you'd be so bold, if you prayed that prayer this morning, would you just indicate that to me by just raising your hand? Everybody still with your heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. If you prayed that prayer this morning, would you just raise your hand where, where you are? 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord all over this place. God is moving. I can't bring conviction to your heart. Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, does that. If you have prayed that prayer, and with all sincerity, then I believe at this moment, you are literally being taken from the kingdom of darkness, and you're moving into the kingdom of light, and you've received salvation. The Bible says the angels rejoice in heaven when one sinner repents. And this morning, I saw at least a dozen hands in this place. Praise the Lord. He's working in this place. We're going to go into a time of worship right now. And I just want to encourage you, church, if you've been born again, this is a time for worship. This is a time to welcome the spirit of the living God. Did you know that today is Pentecost Sunday? 50 days after Jesus rose from the grave, he sent the Holy Spirit to come upon his church. Every believer, including you and me, right here, 2,000 years later, we can receive the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to invite us to worship. And if you've just come to faith in Christ, if you've just believed Christ for salvation right now, then you have a chance to welcome the Holy Spirit. So let's sing together. If you want to remain seated, that's fine. If you want to stand and rejoice, that's fine. If you want to receive prayer, I'm going to come stand down here. If you want to receive prayer, I will pray with you even while the band is still playing to seal this moment. I know that the pastors and elders would be happy to pray with you as well. But you come on down to the front. I'd love to pray with you as we continue to worship together. Amen.